you know, I was, I think it was just yesterday I was thinking about that. I was like, okay, how long is it? How long have we been doing this? I know. And man, like over two years. That's wild. It's cool. That's a long We're time. We're stuck with it. Everybody mm-hmm. thought that this would just be like a pandemic thing. Mm-hmm. And then. Yeah, everyone listening, you all thought we were going to quit. So suck yeah. it. All right. <laughs> We're still here. We're in your yeah. life. Well, so I guess if you're face, still listening. <laughs> also, thank you for your support. We really appreciate you. <laughs> Welcome to Middle-ish, the podcast about moderation in all things. I am Erin Green. And I am Michael Gray. <laughs> always, always just like making silent jokes on the internet. <laughs> so I'm the only one who can see him. Nobody can hear how he's mm-hmm. mocking me, but I know what's happening. You. I was just moving my mouth as you were speaking. Like I was... It was like yeah, it was, ventriloquism. You were, you were dubbing for me, like you were the overdose yeah, for me. Practicing your ventriloquist act, I think. I could never be a ventriloquist. Those dolls uh, scare the shit out of me. Like, yeah, they look so rather creepy. creepy. Why are their eyes always like? I don't know. Like they're on but, meth or something. Like I get this. I I know it makes no sense, but I find them like very unnerving. Very unnerving. Well, if you ever watched Child's Play when you were younger. He kind of is like a demon ventriloquist doll. And so I think that kind of ruined it for me. But they are creepy, I think. They are creepy. I remember like seeing like on A&E, you know how they always have like comedians and stuff. Like when Mm -hmm. we were kids, they'd have like, there'd always be like a ventriloquist on there. And I loved watching like comedy and stuff as a kid. Um, And when those would come on, I'm like, nope, I'm changing the channel. (laughs) I do not want to see this. (laughs) Can't watch it. It's just like clowns. (laughs) Some people are totally creeped out by clowns. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's another one. I have a friend who's creeped out by birds. Like she doesn't like birds flying over her head. She gets totally creeped out. I've heard that that's not like a super uncommon phobia. Do you have any phobias? And let's start this this episode way off track. How about that? Yeah. Let's just start with something. (laughs) Phobias. Phobias are not a very middle-ish concept, actually. So, and that's what we're talking about today. Um, Mm -hmm. Not phobias. Middle. Phobias. I, so I used to have a big phobia around spiders. Mm-hmm. I didn't like them being in my space. If there's one, like I could see, you know, in the room I'm in, I would be completely preoccupied with watching its movements and making sure it wasn't coming over to me. And I think by having a garden, I gradually started just conditioning myself to accept and embrace spiders because they play a really important role in the environment and, Um, and in the garden ecosystem. And so I just started, I started implementing this catch and release policy around the house. Like, okay, I don't want them in my house, but I'd also don't want to just kill them. And so mm -hmm. I'd start like trying to grab them and put them outside, which is actually a very delicate procedure (laughs) to grab the spider with a tissue. If it, if it's like dangling from a web, oh, I have a story about that. Okay. You know how spiders like come down from their web. If you can just like mm-hmm. grab the web and take it outside, that's very easy. But if it's like on, you know, the wall or something right. and you try and grab it and you're like, don't crush the little thing. Yeah. It's really weird how I have this empathy for spiders. Now, if I take it outside and I accidentally 
you know, don't quite handle it delicately. I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. poor thing. I still got seven legs. <laughs> yeah. I can still hobble. That's fine. Um, <laughs> other phobias. I don't, I can't think of anything that's like a paralyzing fear. I mean, really spiders used to be the thing for me and I have just gradually gotten, gotten around it. Um, yeah. how about you? Do you have a, I do have a story about a spider, but yeah, let's do the spider story. Okay. Well, so we were, we were at lunch down in California with our friends, Dusty and Karin, who are friends of the podcast and listen, hello, Dusty and Karin. And we were at this, um, restaurant that has like these long communal tables that are like a cafeteria table. Right. Mm -hmm. And Matt was sitting across from me and I think Karin was right next to him. And all of a sudden we're like all having this conversation and Matt's face just changes and his eyes get big and he just gets up from the table and like runs around to this next table, like in a very urgent way. And I'm like, what, somebody's choking or having a heart attack. And Karin's just frozen there. I think she saw it too. But from the rafters, it's like this old kind of industrial building with all these wood rafters up Mm. above from one of the rafters way up there. This Mm -hmm. spider was just making its way down very slowly and it would stop and then it would keep going and then it would stop. And you could see the silhouette of it where we were sitting. But the lady at the next table, it was literally going right down into her plate of food. And she couldn't see it because it was like right in front of her face. So she just like couldn't see it. The perspective was off. So Matt jumps into action, you know, like a first responder. He runs over there and he just reaches, reaches over her head. And he's, he's, he said something like, don't be alarmed. I just got to get this out of the way. Like just a very calm Mm -hmm. voice. And she still didn't see it until he grabbed the web and it moved in her Mm -hmm. plane of vision. And she like jumps back in all of her friends sitting with her freak out and they're like oh my god you literally saved her life like <laughs> so and i think i think karen had seen it too but she was so she froze because she was yeah. like i don't know how to how to handle this or what to do because you don't want to <laughs> like go run over to this stranger right. into her space and touch you know get in her face but anyway matt and That's i funny. And Kate, very rarely Matt and I will like just that story will pop in our heads and we're like, oh mm. my gosh, remember that spider when you saved that lady's life? Like that's how yeah. we do you remember when you saved that lady's life in that restaurant? Remember when you were a superhero, Matt? <laughs> okay. Now if you can save a woman's life, can you quit freaking, you know, sniffing and blowing your nose? And I stuff? know. Can can you right? just use a tissue like a normal human being? Not not toilet okay. paper. Okay. What's your phobia? Not toilet paper. Yeah. I'm trying to think like, I don't know that I have any phobias. I have like, like things that make me pretty uncomfortable, you know, like if I'm up like pretty high and like on, like at a railing, like looking over like a balcony or something. Oh like, yeah. Way up, queasy kind of. Yeah. Like I'm okay doing it, but I'm also like, eh, I, I'd rather not, but I'm also choosing to, you know, it's like, or like, yeah. like snakes, like I could handle a snake, but it's, I'm going to be real uncomfortable the whole time. Um, but I'll yeah. be able to do it. Um, Oh, you know what? Actually, like if, if I'm in, I can handle like tight spaces, but if I feel like I can't get out of the tight space, like, like when I was a kid, I remember one time I was in this, like a sleeping bag and my brother sat on the end like that, you know, like like, I'm okay being in there. I'm okay being in real constricted. That doesn't bother me. But if I feel like I can't get out, you're stuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, 
I start to feel kind of that's a problem there, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a real problem <laughs> for me. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a Oh. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I, I feel any, like, very, yeah. I feel very fortunate to not have that, like some debilitating, irrational fear. And I know people mm -hmm. live with that. And I, man, if you're listening to this podcast and you have something like that, I really feel for you. And I hope you can find your way through it because that sounds like a horrible way to, you know, go through life. So, um, real quick before we dive in, we've been talking about before we got on here, Michael and I were marveling over how we've done this for over two years yes. and how some people probably thought we were not going to like, this was a pandemic project and we'd just be done. And here we are all the haters out there, all the haters. Um, so believe in us and here we are. I'm actually really curious how many of you listening are some of the OG listeners like you you've been <clears throat> mm -hmm. listening to us from the beginning. If you are, please shoot us a text or an email. Yeah. Let us know. Comment on our next uh, Instagram post or something and let us know. Hey, I'm I'm one of the originals like I've been listening yep. from the beginning. I'm an OG. Um, yeah, I think it's really yeah. cool because I still hear from several mm -hmm. friends that are like, yeah, on your podcast, you talked about this. And I'm like, oh, you're still listening. Like for yeah. some reason, I keep thinking that we're just going to lose people along the way. You know, this it is happens. our 97th episode. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of podcasts I've really loved that I, you know, after Stop. three yeah. months, six months, for whatever reason, not because I didn't love it anymore. Just, I don't know, you know, you yeah. miss a couple and you kind of get into something else and but yeah. I do know there are some, at least a handful of people I know that have been listening since day one, episode one, which is really cool. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really cool. And uh -huh. I think this is a fitting topic for us to kind of review that, like, you know, why we have yeah. that following of people that have stuck with us and mm -hmm. and still enjoy the the podcast. I mean, I like to think it's because we're so um charming and entertaining and good looking and charming people, yeah. and just the best personalities. People can't and get enough. Super humble, like really, really humble. Like I always say that's the best thing about me is how humble I am. Yeah. Um, so that's hey, probably everybody, it. come yeah. see how humble I am. <laughs> um expert <laughs> I like to think that our concept is really relatable and important yeah. and something that people need to hear. So the concept of middle-ish, and we want to talk today about just how this, how this sort of came about in our professional lives and our personal mm -hmm. lives and why we are so passionate about this concept and why it can be so important for people because I think in this world where it's either or, and we live in this world of extremes right. and dichotomy and black and white, there's really an important space where that middle-ish concept needs to be practiced. And so absolutely, yeah. we'll talk about that today. So I'll, how about if I start, I'll start um, just kind of how my journey towards that. Yeah, um, go for and it. So I think for me, it's a little bit backwards because I, I think I'm naturally a person <clears throat> who like, I see the value in the gray, right? Like there's black and white and then this gray. And I think like, since I don't know, middle Is school, that, wait a minute. Is I that know, a pun? Is that a no, pun? There's a value no, in the gray as in the, we Michael already established gray. that how incredibly humble he is. <laughs> <laughs> Continue. So valuable. <laughs> uh, 
so I just, uh, yeah, I just, I think early on because I, you know, I, my parents thought I was going to be like a social worker before I knew what a social worker was. Cause they just saw like, he just, he likes helping people like this. And I think when you're naturally that way, you naturally see that extremes and black and white thinking often doesn't pan out because that doesn't apply to people in their lives, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, not very well. And so I think I, I kind of naturally just because of my, my personality and probably my upbringing too, like saw value in that middle-ish space, you know, and not living extremes um, or even just like letting other people's beliefs and opinions, you know, have value too, that it wasn't just mine, just what I thought, you know, that kind of stuff. But then when I became a trainer and moved into the fitness space, I, I think I felt a lot of not pressure, but just like, this is what you do is you have to live in these extremes, you know? And so I felt kind of like a conflict of Mm -hmm. moving into that space. And I got more comfortable living in those black and white spaces, Mm -hmm. I think for a while, because that's just what you did. And that's how you did things. And that's how people quote unquote got healthy. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, I used to tell people, you know, you don't need, I think I said this on our mini pod, like, or maybe our live last month, like you don't, you don't need carbohydrates. You know, you don't need to do this. You don't need these things. You don't, you know, you can just like, you know, only eat fruits and vegetables for a couple of weeks and have like one cheat meal, you know, that kind of stuff, because I thought that's how you did it. And then I don't know what that process like looks like over the next several years. I think I dove hard into that for a while and then kind of like came back up, you know, slowly, just as I realized like, man, this just seems to like create really crappy scenarios for people, you know, that are just mm-hmm. trying to do their best. And it, it, it really starts to create like, you know, f- feelings of guilt and feelings of failure when people aren't able to like live in these black and white terms, you know, they can't live in the all. And sometimes they're coming back to the none. And that just reinforced these really ugly cycles. And I started to see how like, like people's old wounds from like childhood stuff, like would like get reinforced by the way we were doing things and, you know, and just kind of like, man, this, I don't like this, you know, but I didn't know how to operate as a trainer in that kind of middle-ish place. And so I think I spent several years and probably probably not up until we started talking about doing this podcast podcast that I really like start going like, yeah, I need to like really dive in. Like I need to figure out how I can train and be a coach and encourage people to be, you know, healthier people and live healthier lives and all that stuff without these extremes, because they're just not working. And I don't really like the way I'm reinforcing quote unquote healthy behaviors with people because that doesn't really align with just how I see things, you know? Um, so I think that was kind of my, my journey. I don't really have a, a real solid timeline there, but, um, it was interesting how I, I, I did feel this sort of need to abandon kind of how I naturally saw things to fit within that, like, role of a trainer, you know, of like, it's all hardcore and it's all the time and you're always on and no days off and, you know, all that crap. Um, and how it just, it just felt like a misalignment within me, you know, and, and now, you know, I'm, I mean, I think both of us are are really dove hard into this middle-ish concept of like, man, there's, there's so much space because I think if you're all or none, you have like, you have one point on each end of the spectrum, right? Right. Middle-ish is everything in between there. So it can look like a million different things, you know, I think, and it's just 
to me, it's not about being right in the middle, you know, like of these two things, it's everything in between the extremes. Mm -hmm. That's where, you know, I think we both see that middle-ish space. And so it can be a lot of different things that also allows you to move along that continuum as you need to, you know, again, it's not a point where you sit, it's a whole bunch of points where you can sit, you know, a lot of different times in your life. Well, and don't you think that you had to sort of experience that Mm -hmm. extreme dichotomous world of doing things just right or doing things exactly so Mm -hmm. and being so precise in order to like come back to your own kind of natural tendency of that flexibility middle-ish kind of concept. I think it's important to experience this other way of doing things or this other belief system that I'm not saying is right or wrong. I mean, we're all different humans with different, mm-hmm. you know, upbringings and history and belief. And I know there are people that and we've talked about this like early on where I think our second episode, we had a great question about, is there room to have like an extreme change or, you know, to like really just cut the cord on something and do something exactly black and white and alcoholism or drug addiction was a a common example of that. Like there is no middle-ish for, for alcoholism. There's definitely like you are sober or you are using. Mm -hmm. And so I think, um, just to, you know, kind of circle back to where I was going with that idea we're not saying that middle-ish is the only way. What I think what, at least I'll speak for myself, my idea is that I see the vast majority of people struggling with this either or black and white thinking as it relates to diet, health, exercise, and just overall life balance and wellness. So that's where I started recognizing it. Really for me, it was working with humans not calculations, Mm -hmm. not books, not cadavers and physiology Mm -hmm. and, you know, all of biochemistry and all this other very concrete stuff. It was working with human beings who have emotions and jobs and life occurrences and, um, you know, psychological messaging going around in their heads Mm -hmm. and life experiences, like all of this stuff was suddenly, impacting the very concrete concepts that I had learned in school and that I I really am comfortable with. I love the neat little mathematical, you know, ways that we put nutrition together sometimes. I loved doing like the calculations and matching it up and then coming up with diet plans that had like the exact numbers to line up with the macros and <laughs> all of that stuff. Yes, total nerd alert. Yeah, okay. I loved it. However, I kept running into these challenges over and over with people where that math and that concrete idea of how it should be done was misaligned with their human experience, with their emotions, with the things they would tell themselves. And all of a sudden I was like, so how do I deal with this? Like, how do I, you know, I could keep yeah. feeding them this equation and these, you know, these ideas of just do it. Like just, well, this is what you're supposed to do. This is a recommendation. I can't help you beyond that. Mm-hmm. Instead, I started recognizing that something that my great uncle, who is a very wise man would always say. And to this day, I, I don't know. I play it over my head probably every day. Everything in life is a trade-off. Everything 
in life yeah. is a trade-off. And so to me, that just illustrates that, okay, this could be the quote, right way to do it or the best way or the, you know, the concrete recommendation, but there's a trade-off to that. What's the trade-off? And so I started looking for that other side of things like, okay, we tell people you need to eat, you know, five plus servings of fruits and vegetables in a day. Well, what's the trade-off? I mean, that might be really cumbersome for some people. It might be a scary concept for some people because they don't like fruits and vegetables mm -hmm. or they're not familiar enough with them to know how to implement that. It might be expensive for some people because they're used to a different kind of, you know, diet um, pattern. So there's, I started looking for the trade-off and to me, that's where the middle-ish ground is found in health and nutrition and diet is by looking at that, that middle, like, okay, we have this recommendation that's very concrete and we have this exact right way of doing it over here, or you're completely not doing it over here. What's in the middle? How can we like take a step toward that? Right. And putting things a little more on a spectrum really helped me understand that, yes, where I'm coming from as a dietitian, I have all this knowledge and know-how and, you know, the scientific experience to say, yes, this is where you want to get to. This is like the, you know, the ideal way, but then there's so much in the middle and we're all human beings. So you have to find a way to navigate all of that other stuff and what right. looks, what looks quote, right for one person doesn't look right for another person. And that really opened my eyes working with human beings and recognizing that, man, this client is in a completely different place with a different set right. of circumstances and personality than this one. So what's right for this person is going to look completely different mm -hmm. from what's right for this person. And that, Absolutely. that was a huge eye opener for me. Yeah. And I would say that was like, that was a process. I, became a dietitian in 2007. So mm -hmm. this was, I mean, this is over the last 15 years of my work yeah. as a dietitian and a health practitioner and an athlete myself. I have tons of stories about how I applied this to pro racing. Mm -hmm. Um, it took, it was a long process. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that you brought this up because, um, and you may have said this before when I, Kind of heard this in my head and I was like, did I think that? Or did Aaron say that at one time? But like what <laughs> our what minds maybe, are one. That's right. It's like the Jedi. Uh, <laughs> what maybe like so you have ideal recommendations, like this is ideal <laughs> for this theoretical person, but what's ideal may not be ideal for you, you know, and certainly not at this point in time. <clears throat> and that's what I think is like if I have a client who's eating no fruits or vegetables and the recommendations are whoo, way down the road for them, right? Like that's a massive jump. But I mean, just to fit in, if, if someone's eating no fruits and vegetables on a regular basis to go to the quote unquote ideal and recommendation is a massive change. Like that's mm -hmm. going to be, that's going to be really challenging for people. It just is. And so maybe what's ideal for that person is eat a piece of fruit in the day, eat one piece of fruit. Right. You know, maybe that's what's ideal. And so I, I think, it, again, it's this crazy idea that, you know, no matter what recommendations are out there or what's ideal or, you know, what's preferred, you know, whatever, like it matters how it relates to you and how it fits in your life and your ability and um, feeling like you can handle that, you know, because for me, it's like, okay, sure. Five fruits a day would be, man, that would be ideal. What if someone only eats three fruits a day for the rest of their life? Yeah. Like, 
Are they I gonna mean, is be that gonna make or like break so anything? far behind their health? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, come on, man. You well, know, and there's like, a difference between, yeah, there's a difference yeah. between making it doable. And I mean, this is again, part of that human behavior piece that changed my mind is if I can present some options that are actually attainable and within the reach of that person, depending on where they start. I mean, that's another thing is I went through training on um, motivational interviewing and client-centered, um, you know, goal setting and and counseling. So the number one rule is meet clients where they are. So if you can make that accessible, oh, there's a loud car starting across the street. Hold on. Hot rod alert. Hot rod alert. Hot rod alert. Hot rod alert. <laughs> I didn't know we had a hot rod alert, but we do. Sorry, my neighbor. We need a little jingle for hot water. <laughs> <laughs> could my be like neighbor one of those old this... timey cars, like a ooga. <laughs> yeah, my neighbor has this uh, classic hot rod of some kind that he starts up, and he really likes to rev the engine. I don't know if he's trying to like clean out the the exhaust or something because he doesn't run it, but like a couple times a month. Anyway, sorry for that disruption. I had to close the window, it otherwise y'all would be at least okay. on my end. Well. It's going to get brief loud. Little he's, something. he's backing out of the garage right now. And I know he's going to sit in the driveway and just yeah. rev the engine over. I just thought you farted. So <laughs> yeah, it's my, this is my, <laughs> this is my elaborate cover up. <laughs> there's a, um, there's a hot okay. rod over there. Uh, I got a neighbor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Here it comes again. He's revving the engine again. Oh, he's back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, so back to client center, client centered education, yes. <laughs> and um, meeting people where they are. It looks different to everybody. So that was another really profound eye opener was meeting somebody where they are, and then making something attainable. That next yeah. step attainable. We talk about this all the time. What's the next right step? Like, how can you get a little closer to mm -hmm. that ideal goal? And sometimes it's helpful for people to paint a picture. I'll ask clients all the time, like, okay, if we can just play make-believe for a little bit, you're six months or two years down the road or whatever, and you have reached this picture of health that you have in your mind, describe that for me. And I'll have that client kind of go through that visualization. Like what, what are they doing? What's their life like? What do they feel like? You know, I mean, talk about your weight and body size, if it helps, like, like paint that very, very vivid yeah. picture. And once we get that, I'll ask, okay, is that realistic for you to jump into that realm today to do those things that you picture yourself doing down the road? And all of a sudden it's like, well, no, I have to work my way there. Okay. There's the middle-ish. So let's start with that first step. What's one thing you can do that will put you closer to that right. end goal, that visualization? That end goal might change as you go through this process. And hopefully it does because a lot of people does. that... Yeah. Cause a lot of people that come to us, they want to lose 20 pounds or they, mm -hmm. you know, need to be a size this, or they, you know, need to be competing in some race that they don't even really want to do, but that's like what they tell themselves is an indication that they've made it. Right. And so all of a sudden you start bringing it back to where you are and where you have to accept your starting point, because this is the truth. Like this is where you yeah. are. You are where so, you are. <laughs> Can't do anything yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and let's be honest. Like, I think most of us 
and I'm not talking about, you know, weight, I'm talking about like our, our, our thoughts around our bodies and food and our beliefs about ourselves, that kind of stuff. Like we are, most of us are where we are because we've been trying to live in extremes for so long. Like we are where we are in this really just like unhappy place with ourselves and just not feeling great physically and all these really backwards, upside down thoughts around, you know, health and food and fitness and, and all that stuff, because we've been just ping ponging back and forth between all and none, all and none, all and none, all and none. And when we do that, I, I, to me, the danger isn't in any of the behaviors or the habits or the, the task we're trying to do. It's what it reinforces to us. Like what it says about ourselves, you know, what it says to us, what we decide, what we say it says about us. And we kind of talked about this in the, uh, was it rewriting the script episode? Is that what it was called? Mm, <clears throat> Just talking yeah. about the in internal mo monologue that we all have. Um, when we ping pong back and forth on those things, we reinforce things that we probably already believe about ourselves, which aren't real healthy, helpful thoughts. You know, mm -hmm. I think when people are just ping pong in between like all or none, when you're in the all and then inevitably it falls apart and you're back in the none, like what, what does that tell us? It tells us, gee, I guess I just don't have what it takes. Well, no surprise because this is what I do every time, you know, oh, I always yeah. fail at taking care of myself. You know, maybe I'm just not cut out for this. Maybe I'm just not a person who deserves happiness. Maybe I'm, you know, I'm, there's all these ugly, awful things. And I think that's the real danger. It's not like, taking on too many tasks at once and then, you know, not being able to handle it. What does that tell us? And mm -hmm. I think that's why there's such a danger in just continuing to live in this all or none kind of thinking, you know, approaches. And I mean, you, probably the same for you, but like I, I have a countless clients who like when we first start, you know, they have all these expectations of what it's going to be like to work together, of what I'm going to tell them to do, of how it's going to work. And and then when we like walk away from that initial like intake conversation and it's like, okay, so you're going to, you feel like we can get, you know, two 20 minute workouts in this week and you know, you're going to, um, yeah, you're going to eat a fruit every day. It's like all the time. You're like, this feels so good. Like this feels, yeah. this feels so doable. Like I, I really feel like I can do this and oh my gosh, this is so much less pressure than I thought it was going to be, you know? And I think, a lot of the times, like the, the struggle with moderation and something middle is just people think there's no value in it. Like it's not going to be successful. It's not going to bring mm -hmm. about any change and that kind of stuff. And because we're just so, I think, short-minded when it right. comes to our health, right? Like it's this month, three months by this summer. Yeah. And it's like, okay, what about the rest of your life? Like, let's look at that. Let's start there. <laughs> well, or people think if I don't go like full tilt into this new, you know, world of health and wellness. If I don't give myself this really hard task, then I'm just, I'm not going to make any progress at all. Like what's, you know, it's not worth yeah. doing. Yeah. Um, or if I, if I let things slip, if I'm too easy on myself, then I'm just going to go back to the way I was. And right. so there's this, you know, you have to kind of, this is where some of the psychology comes in, where you have to kind of dig into those beliefs and be like, but is that really true? Like, is that, so I, I have an example for myself as Michael and I were planning this episode. I remember my approach to chores and cleaning and doing things around the house when I was a young adult, just coming mm. into having my own apartment and my own space, I would 
I would have this like overwhelming, stressful week with like tests and exams and work. And, you know, I just had all this going on and inevitably I would look around my living space and be like, oh, but I have to do this. Oh, and yeah, the carpets need to be cleaned. And oh, the blinds are so dusty. And all of a sudden Mm -hmm. I would just start piling on all of this extra shit to do that doesn't need, I don't need to clean the freaking blinds this week. Like, what are you thinking? But I, my brain would go there where I'm like, okay, I've got all of this stuff that's overwhelming me and look at how far behind you are on all these other things, Aaron. Like Mm -hmm. this was my, my tendency to put extra pressure on myself. And some of that belief of if I'm not doing it all the way, 100%, then I'm completely failing because look at all these other things that you're letting go. So I had to, first of all, you have to build awareness around this. And it took like years of just having people present these kinds of things to me. And Sometimes not in very helpful ways because it was like, mm-hmm. you put this on yourself, Aaron. Well, that doesn't help to hear that. So. <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> yeah. But I started asking myself, is this something that has to be done right now? Like is not, can I do this or does it right. need to be done eventually? Does this need to happen right now? right now? And is this helpful for me to be thinking about doing this other task and putting this on my plate right now? Do I have space for this? So I just, I kind of would stop instead of letting myself spiral out of control and start thinking about the practical nature of where my brain was going. And I could talk my, I got to a point where I could talk myself through it. No, this doesn't have to fit in this week. Would it help if you schedule a time like down the road, maybe during Christmas break where you have nothing else to do that you can get some of these things done and then just commit to doing it then, you know, having a plan is helpful for me. So if I, if I put things on the calendar, if I project them out and say, this is when I'm going to do them, it helps, you know, calm me down in the moment and keep me from, from extrapolating all that. So, um, and part of this is boundaries too. If people are asking too much of you, I work with a ton of clients where time management and boundaries are the theme that we talk about. Yeah, so for sure, if, if you're finding that people ask you to do things or you're telling yourself that you have to do any, say yes to anything that people are asking you, look for ways that you can talk your way through that. Is this something that has to do? Is this the best use of my time? Can somebody else do this or can it be done later? You know, be realistic with those things. It's, this is a total middle-ish concept because you're taking yourself out of that. I have to do this. You know, that's the all thinking. I have to do it. I have to do more. I have to say yes. And if you're not saying yes, then you're saying no. And that's the none thinking. So you're in this all or none, you know, dichotomy again, try and find that middle. Is there some way that you can say, no to something right now and yes to it later. Is there a way you can say no to something that someone else can do? So then you're saying Mm -hmm. yes to doing something more important. You get what I'm saying? So this Mm is absolutely like something I had to learn about myself because I definitely was one of those people that I just had to do more. Like in times of overwhelm, I would suddenly pile on more in my brain Mm -hmm. and it was so not helpful. And it took a lot of years for me to work through that. Yeah. 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 For me, I, I mean, certainly there've been periods in my life where I've, you know, really struggled with all or none thinking just with, with eating, you know, especially once I became a trainer, 
Um, yeah. you know, I, I felt all this pressure to try and look a certain way and, you know, live by these certain hard and fast rules and that kind of stuff. And I would often live in the same, you know, kind of like cycles that everybody lives in when we try to do these things this way is like, you're doing really quote unquote good for a while. And then you have the thing and you're like, oh, I screwed everything up. So I might as well just eat all the things. And, you know, this really kind of like mm-hmm. just roller coaster of like, what's going on here? Right. <laughs> you know, like only ice cream, that's what you're eating or only cereal, you know, <laughs> right. and then like, okay, I don't have carrots for, you know, just like this insanity where it just, it took me a while to kind of level that out, you know, um, and find that middle space for me, a place I'm still, uh, I'm still navigating, uh, <laughs> in that middle space is those boundaries. I am a, I'm a natural people pleaser. I want to make people happy. Um, I was kind of like the, the peacekeeper role in my family for, you know, there's a variety, variety of reasons for that. But um, I, I do have a hard time telling people no when they ask something of me um, mm-hmm. to the extent that I've often overextended myself, you know, to places where it's just like, I am resentful and angry that this person yeah. asked me to help yeah. them or to Don't do this Don't they thing. know how busy yeah. I am? How Don't you know I can't say no? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, how dare you ask yeah. me when you know I'm going to say yes. And that's something that I, I'm doing a lot better with it. I have a long ways to go um, just with those kind of boundaries. You know, that's just a, something that I'm working through. I'm 41 years old and I'm still like a long ways from figuring that out. But you're probably going to be working through it when you're 81. So, you yeah. Know, and that's okay. And that's a really part good of who point. you are. Yeah. That's, a, I think that's a really good point, Aaron, about like middle ish versus all or none. It's like we think we have to get to, the end of everything, right? Like I have to, I have to eat perfectly. I have to exercise perfectly and sleep perfectly and stress management. It's like, no, you don't like you, you're probably never going to do any of this perfectly. And you don't need to, like we say all the time, you just need to do a little better because better is better, right? Like better is infinitely better. And if we only move the needle some, and we do that consistently for a long time, congratulations, you have done Mm -hmm incredible work. Like we don't have to get to the end of the line on everything. And you're probably not going to, and wanting to, I think is often the reason we don't make any progress at all. It's like this weird thing. We try to go all the way to the end and then we just wind up right where we started, you know? And it's like, you don't, I, I have no interest in managing all of the things in my personality that I, or my belief system about myself and and like conquering them and doing them to a hundred percent. It's like, I just want to do it better. I want to, I want to, figure out, you know, the, the beliefs I have about myself and I hold about myself and how those like impact the way I'm a, a dad and impact the way I'm a husband and impact the way I'm a friend. And I want to do better at that. I don't need to do perfectly at those things, you know, mm-hmm. because if I'm striving, let's take like my kids for a minute as an example, like if I'm striving for perfection all the time, then I'm passing that down to them, right? Like this is, this is the work you need to do where if I'm fumbling through it, you know, and not doing it super well sometimes and doing it well at other times. And I'm just making progress that I'm modeling to them in a sustainable way to grow, you know? And that's what I think like we forget about like change It's like change when it comes to nutrition and exercise and that kind of stuff, it's changes growth. And we can't just like say, okay, I've grown now. Like that's not how growth works ever. Like it it (laughs) is a process. I've arrived. Yeah. It's not like the catapult is like, okay, butterfly, you know, like that's right. not how it works. And, and if we're not willing to go through the process of like changing and growing, 
what's going to change? Like if we can't yeah. grow, what's going to change? And if yeah. we if we can't take time to do these things and to do them well and to learn through them and to mess them up and screw them up and learn how to do them better and come back to it and try again, if we can't do all that stuff, we're never going to grow. And if we're not going to grow, nothing's going to change. Yeah. And this, this circles back to it. It's important to kind of experiment with these different levels of you know, what looks like middle-ish to one person does not look like middle-ish to another. In fact, I, I found, I was, um, looking up because I know that I've heard that, um, the middle way is grounded in Buddhism. And it actually, I found this website called the middlewaysociety.org. I'll put a link to it in our show notes. And I found it to be a, a really nice, it basically says that, um, this is not necessarily a function of Buddhism, which is a religion and, you know, this theology that we we're not like endorsing that we're just talking about this, this middle concept. So there's, they're saying that the middle way is an effective way of facing up to conditions that could be discovered to varying degrees by anybody in any context. And I love that because it's basically saying that, okay, you could put like 10 people in this very same scenario and they are going to interpret it a little differently, take it into their own context based on the lens through which they see the world, all of this stuff. And that to me is like the essence of yeah. middle-ish, the middle path, the, you know, whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it. It's, um, you know, you don't have to ascribe to a certain religion or theology to, to, practice this it's simply saying that like well how does this appear to me and how what's the right next step i can take yeah. as it appears to me and not necessarily to anyone else so for some people that might be you know something that's a little more extreme in mm -hmm. your world but that's the lens through which you see it that's mm -hmm. okay like some people might say you know what i just need to cut out um all desserts that's not necessarily something Michael and I have you know, recommended or endorsed, but for yeah. that person, that might yeah. be a middle-ish approach because mm -hmm. otherwise they're going into like straight, like keto, no fruit kind of realm. And so right. this is bringing it back into a little more of a flexible gray area by saying, yeah. well, I think desserts are problematic. I'm going to try this. I think it's valuable to experiment in those different areas that might look extreme to another person mm -hmm. and see how it works for you. Um, I'm a huge proponent of that. Again, with client-centered counseling, yeah. I listen to what clients tell me and I believe them. I mean, mm -hmm. geez, I better believe what they're telling me about their lived mm -hmm. experience because it's the truth. <laughs> so, Because how would you have any idea if it's not, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, for me, um, I, I think there's there's been several times where like working with a client who has a very different history and experiences than I have, and we've we've decided and set goals that to me do feel extreme as the coach, but I understand how to them it's not. Sure. Right. And so like there's no I, I think sometimes people feel like, okay, so what what is what does middle-ish look like? Like, okay, so not all or none, but tell me where on the line, like where exactly is it? And what exactly does it look like? Because we still want that hard and fast rules about being moderate, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I have no idea. There isn't a spot, you know, because it's, it's everyone's continuum is different, 
you know, mm-hmm. and I can't tell you, you know, what, what's going to be best for you, what's going to be middle-ish for you until we kind of know what your extremes are, you know, and, you know, you talk with clients about, you know, through past eating experiences and diet experiences and attempts at being healthier, losing weight, all that kind of stuff. And you get a pretty good sense of, of where they've kind of, you know, been exploring. And when those attempts Mm -hmm. at exploring new spaces have not gone well, where they're kind of like, what's their none they go back to. And so there, I mean, there have been times where I'm like, man, for me, this, this would be a really extreme thing to do, but I get how it's not for them. And so, okay, let's, let's go forward with that because it's not, you know, about what I think. It's not about what this one person thinks. It's just, it's so individual and it has to be individual that middle-ish can look like a bunch of different things. And like Aaron said before, middle-ish for one person may seem extreme to another. And that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. it's extreme. That means people have different experiences and perspectives. Yeah. And, and on that, I'm, I'm still on this website. I just want to read this quick paragraph, um, for our audience. And again, I'll post this in our show notes because I think it has some really, um, deeper and philosophical explanations than what Mm -hmm. we're going through here. But it says the central idea of the middle way is that we understand conditions in the world or in ourselves better by relying on experience but our learning from experience is often blocked by fixed beliefs. So an image that might help one see how this works is of a ship sailing through a narrow passage between dangerous rocks. The ship needs to get through the strait whilst avoiding the rocks on either side. And we don't have to know where the ship is ultimately going to be clear about that. It's mm-hmm. it's trying to dodge the rocks. That's the whole mm-hmm. point. Here, the rocks represent the metaphysical beliefs that tend to to block us from progress. If you make it through that straight, you might get a slightly clearer view of where to go next. But if you strike the rocks, you will be stuck and not even get that far. Um, And then it goes on to to look kind of outline some of the typical features of these metaphysical beliefs, Mm -hmm. which they call absolutizations. So it's, again, that like all or nothing kind of thing. Like this is this is something that's absolute concrete in my mind and can't be challenged. That's the rock that you keep like running into or butting up Mm -hmm. against. That's actually preventing you from going forward where if you would work your way around that rock and maybe see it from a different angle, you might be able to continue on a path that works well for you. So I really liked that that analogy. And I think that, you know, sometimes um, those kinds of things can help us Mm -hmm. um, understand some of these um, abstract concepts a little better for sure. And what I love about like that, I mean, that illustration, but also just like our whole, you know, a- approach here that we're, we're trying to convey about middle-ish is like, if we're going to do, and I'm, I'm sure you run into this all the time too, like talking with clients about this, like if we're going to do this middle-ish route, what we have to be willing to begin to adopt and figure out how to um, like bring into our lives and stuff it are things like grace, <laughs> and forgiveness yeah. Yeah. and kindness, right? Because traditional approaches towards being a quote unquote healthier person do not allow for those. It's you do it or you suck, right? Like those are the messages. Like either you're doing it all or just quit. Why, why are you wasting Yeah, And it's all about you willpower know? too. Like mm-hmm. yeah, you just, suck because you can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Just be more disciplined. Just be more mentally tough. You know, like what's wrong with you? You know, where this middle-ish approach is like, to me, it's so crazy that like an industry that is designed and supposed to be like making people healthier, 
rejects things like grace and patience and trying again and kindness. Like, yeah. What? Like yeah. these are some of the most healthy things we can bring into our lives. And we're going to get healthier by rejecting those. Like literally right. being like, these are a waste of time. There's no space for them. And for, I think for Aaron and I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak for you. You can tell me if I'm wrong, but yeah. speaking for both of us, I think we would both say that those are the most important concepts to dive into because the reason that we don't take care of ourselves and, you know, better, higher, you know, greater ways over long periods of time are because we don't have these things in place because we don't have beliefs and systems and concepts in place that allow us to do it again. Like if, if we're, if we don't allow these things to be a part of it and all or none is our only option, you're getting nowhere. Like, okay, honestly, mm -hmm. like, like, I guess this is a rhetorical question because I know the answers, but like, if you're listening, <laughs> ask yourself these two questions. Okay. How many times have you tried to get healthier with extreme, like restrictive all or none kind of approaches? How many times has it worked out? There's your answer. I don't, I don't need to hear your answer because I know it doesn't, it never does. Like it just doesn't work out for people, you know? And so why do we keep trying to do things in a way that just never works out? And I think there's so much fear around like not being all in or hardcore, you know, like there's all these extreme beliefs that we like attach to what a healthier person is or how they get there or that kind of stuff. And I think and then there's all this you know, personal stuff or our own attempts and stories and past and that kind of stuff. But like, if it's, if it hasn't worked out that, I mean, literally probably 30, 40, 50 times you've tried in your life to follow some new diet or extreme workout protocol, whatever, like, why do you think it's going to work at the 51st mm -hmm. time? It's not like, man, please, please, please try something <laughs> different. Please try something that actually allows you to grow, please. You know, I, I will offer that the reason, like the, I guess the value in people continuing to try these extreme things is if they use that as perspective to grow the next time. So I have a number of clients who have come to me and they're like, I've tried every diet under the sun. I've tried this. I did, you know, I belong to this gym where I did everything, you know, went to the workouts like four or five times a week. So I was like in totally in that camp for a while. And I mean, they've done these very like rigid and extreme things and it works until it doesn't. So, you know, everything how, <laughs> how, how long does that last? And, and how did it feel? And we'll talk about that. Like, so, okay, you did these things in the past. Why are you not still doing them? What is it that made you stop doing that thing? And therein lies the answer to, well, these are the things I liked about it. This is what didn't work for me. And usually it's that awareness that, oh, well, you know, I had this time conflict or, um, my, my family didn't like this rigid way of eating and thought that it was, you know, unhealthy for me to be doing this in front of the kids or, you know, I had all these different answers, but mm -hmm. those extreme, you know, dabbling in the extreme actually can really help you understand yourself better and learn from those experiences and can, can kind of nudge you toward the middle-ish concept. So sure that's the only thing I'll offer with, with those extreme ones. I get your frustration and I get that. It's like, I mean, I want to like bang my head against the desk too sometimes where I'm like, 
do you not see that this is the problem? Like Mm -hmm. ascribing to these, you know, magic pills or this like, you know, silver bullet, the, the diarrhea teas and the BS that you see on social media and all these influencers say, I get it. Like I want to bang my head against the desk too. At the same time, it's really critical for us to accept that some people are going to continue gravitating towards these extremes, probably because they don't have any experience in that kindness grace, flexibility mm-hmm. kind of approach. And until they learn it and and experience that, again, I just read this passage that said our experiences are, are really mm-hmm. the most profound driver of behavior, then it's going to just take a while to practice that. And oh, absolutely. I work with people all the time on, let's just see how this feels. Like, let's try this because I'm in the business of helping people feel better in their lives. That is it. I'm in the business right. of helping people feel better. That has nothing to do with the number on the scale, how many inches they lose, how many vegetables they eat a day, whatever. Those are all, you know, healthful kinds of concepts we can talk mm. about on different levels depending on the person. But I'm in the business of helping you feel better because mm-hmm. truly when you feel better at your core, whether that's in an emotional happy place, whether you feel better physically, you feel strong and you've got stamina, um, whether you feel like you're doing the right things for your health, that is where like true kindness and grace and self-love come from. So, so that's my jam. Like that's what I'm helping people do. And if I can help people feel better about themselves simply by changing their perspective or mindset on something, then I, I feel like I'm doing my job. Sure. Yeah. But you would encourage someone to do something extreme, right? Encourage like, like, people to? No. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I see what you're saying. Like, as far as I think you're, I think you're right in that anything we attempt to try, there's probably like some lessons to be learned no matter how mm-hmm. it goes or value or that kind of stuff. But I, I guess for me, it's just like, I see the damage on a regular basis that extreme thoughts and extreme thinking brings to people. Like I see that like the damage like internally about their beliefs and about themselves and how they see themselves that I do want to scream it from the mountaintops, knock it off. Yeah. Enough already. Yeah. Because sure. If, if they, if they try an extreme thing again, there's something we can learn from that, but, but don't, because there's yeah. things we can learn from doing it a different way. Yeah. And then we can actually like begin to, cause I, I feel like, I don't know. I just think every time someone tries something extreme and it falls apart, it just, they feel what they felt before just a little more yeah. and they believe what they believe before a little more. And I, you're absolutely right. There's, I think there's value to take from just about any experience, not all of them probably, but, but most experiences mm-hmm. and but for me, I'm just like, I, I just, let's not, let's not have any more of that value. <laughs> let's yeah. take the ones you've already done and begin to do it a different way. Just because, gosh, it's just, people just believe such horrible, awful, untrue things about themselves. Mm-hmm. That I just don't want to see them reinforced, you know? Yeah. Well, and, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about when my brain goes into this sort of oh, this is the way I have to proceed, or this is the way I'm seeing the situation. And my therapist might say like, what are some other possibilities? And that's a very easy and just such a simple question to ask yourself. And it's not easy 
to do that, it's it's easier for somebody else to ask you because they're removed from the situation, right? We've got our like mm-hmm. emotional kind of, you know, clouding of the issue. Yeah. So that's something that has helped where you're saying like, oh, to keep keep going into that space that has been unhelpful in the past mm-hmm. into this like very rigid and, you know, concrete black and white way of thinking. What are some other possibilities? Like, what are mm-hmm. some other ways we might approach this or think about it? Really opens up that spectrum that Michael and I are talking about, where all of a sudden you have this range of possibilities. Mm-hmm. And yeah. sometimes it can be helpful to just really brainstorm those things and come up with some wacky kinds of like possibilities to just show you like there are so many ways to think about this situation or to approach it or to choose a behavior to change. There's so many different approaches here. It helps you get out of that stuck position of this is the only way to go forward. I just have to buckle down. I've got to do this thing again. Because if you keep doing that same type of behavior change or approach over and over, it's, it's going to feel like it keeps reinforcing all of the things Michael's talking about. Mm -hmm. I suck. I can't do it. I'm going to fail again. Like, so yeah. Yeah. Try asking yourself that. What are some other possibilities? Yeah. Or let's just see, let's just see, let's try something. Yeah. Yeah. And that I, that I think there is, is, is really, is really good because that's, that's an approach I take with clients a lot is like, let's try and see, Mm -hmm. let's see how it goes. And maybe it goes great. Maybe it goes terribly. Probably it goes a lot of somewhere in the middle where there are things that we can take from this, you know, and things we can build on, right? Things that maybe mm-hmm. didn't go well that we can adapt. And 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 that kind of perspective shift like we're talking about, like if we have to get it right, then that's our only option to get it right. If we get to be curious and explore, then we get to discover things, you know? Yeah. And I think if we can, to me, I think that's a, a, a real foundational thing for the middle-ish approach is like, not to take this, like, this is important and it is serious, but we don't need to take it so seriously. Like we get to be curious, we get to explore and we get to discover what things work for us. And we Mm -hmm. get to discover what our middle-ish is. And that's a process that takes, you know, we might, as we're like that illustration of the ship, like we might bump into the rocks, you know? And when we do that sucks, but okay, we've learned, uh, maybe I need to take a little bit wider turn here next time. You know, like we get to learn things from that versus like, oh, I hit the rock. So I guess I just like give up, you know, saving the ship forever, you know, and, and when we can, when we can approach it with curiosity and stuff, I think we just, man, we just, we really allow ourselves to embrace what doesn't go well because there's value there. And we get to be excited about what does go well because we get to build on it. And I think when we come at it from that place, I'm not going to say like failure is impossible, but it's just, man, it gets pretty (laughs) tough. You know, like if there's, if there's, if, if there's value in things not going well and going well, then like, well, what's going to make you go throw your hands up and screw it. I guess I should just start over. Yeah. Well, and failure gets reframed into learning through that process. All of a sudden, all of a sudden you're not doing things wrong and failing. You're just learning and growing and, and you're learning what does work and what doesn't work. So, Mm -hmm. um, one of the last things that I will um, that I wanted to mention today, specifically in the diet world is, you know, I've, I get people asking me all the time, like, what's the, you know, what food should I avoid? What's the best way to eat? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about this, that, or the other diet, whatever is trending right now? And 
I, as a dietitian, I have to accept that there are literally thousands of different dietary patterns that could work for anybody across the globe at any given time. So I can't answer that question. What is the best way to eat? What are the foods to avoid or to eat more of or whatever? I mean, sure, there's there's some just very general guidelines I can provide, but it's it's a perfect example of saying, look, there are so many ways to approach this. What are some other possibilities? It depends on where you live, what your budget yeah. is, what your cooking skills are, what your food preferences are. Mm-hmm. So if you look at some of the dietary patterns, okay, not not like diets, like rigid rules, but dietary patterns that say like, okay, their diets, their dietary pattern consistently comprises of this many servings of these foods kind of thing. There's a lot of different ones that work really well. And I would argue that about 90% of the foundations of diets, whether they're fad diets or weird, wacky, extreme blood type diets or carnivore diets or whatever, 90% of those have the the basic principles of all the others, which is like eat less processed food, cook at home, learn about the foods you like, um, you know, make things from scratch. Yeah. Yeah, Get some vegetables in there, like all these different things, 90%. And then there's like this 10% of like Mm -hmm. probably pure insanity that they have to put their brand on it and make it their own. Right. But that to me just shows that like, man, there's this whole spectrum of these two seemingly completely opposing viewpoints on diet that actually overlap a lot when you get mm-hmm. two reasonable experts on each of those diets in the room yeah. to talk about like, what are the foundations of good health and and nutrition? A lot of their concepts overlap. It's just mm-hmm. their interpretation and their, and I have to say their way of making money and selling their agenda, <laughs> because that's a lot of times what it comes down to. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I think Anything that was, yeah. That was our case for Middleish. Yeah. yeah. I hope uh, I think I, hope I think we, we won a case. case. So yeah. No, Jerry agrees with us. Too. Yeah. Case yeah. closed. Yep, case closed. <laughs> so um <laughs> I want you to start with meaning in the mundane because I have thought about at least four or five of them since our last podcast episode and I have forgotten them all. So I need to start okay. writing them down again. I'll go. So I'll yeah, I had one. one. There was one like two weeks ago. I was like, this is it. And I was gonna write it down. And then Last night I was trying to remember what it was. I was like, damn it. I have no idea. And it was a good one too, but I have a really cute one. So uh, Kathleen was gone. She was in Georgia this weekend um, visiting a friend. And so it's just me and the girls. And one morning, I think it was Saturday morning. Uh, I'm asleep in the bed, right? Just like out cold. And about 6.15, <laughs> I'm woken up by this little tap on tap. my face. <laughs> right on my face. And I'm like, oh, what? And it's Sophie and she goes, I'm here to snuggle you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what a great alarm clock. I was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> Get in here. Let's snuggle up. And it was like Aww. the best way to start the day. <laughs> what a cutie. Yeah, my goodness. Great. And I can just mm-hmm. picture her big brown eyes being like, hello. Mm-hmm. Like, guess what you're going to do. <laughs> Cute. Yeah. Um. So I have to say mine was this last weekend, Matt and I floated the Boise River, which is, I mean, 
the Boise River obviously runs right down the middle of Boise. I ride my bike across it, run next to it almost daily. So it's it's just this like normal part of the downtown area. And floating it this weekend, though, was just it's about two hours of floating and you just it's not hard. There's no like rapids or anything But it just is this completely different perspective of the city, this, these areas that I see all the time, you know, all of my bike routes that I can picture, like riding across the river and the running routes and what things look like from the shore, um, all of a sudden just feel and look different when you're on the water. And it was just this gorgeous day. Um, We had a great float and, you know, nice escape from the heat. And I just felt very grateful that we have this resource right here. It's like the lifeblood of, you know, of any community is the water that runs through it. And so it just felt really, um, really special. So, yeah. Awesome. I love salt in the river. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so fun. Nice. Yeah. All right. So, well, thank you. Okay. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. Thanks uh, for joining a reminder, us. Yeah. A remind quick, couple quick reminders. Um, if you'd like to help sponsor middleish, you can do a monthly sponsorship. Um, there's a link below to do that. Uh, if you'd like to help support us in other ways, you can subscribe, you can share, uh, you can rate, review this podcast. All those things um, are really helpful towards just getting this message out. So if you could please do those things, that would be awesome. Yeah. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at middleish underscore podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll be doing, we keep doing some work in that space, some reels mm-hmm. and Instagram lives. And yeah, keep an eye there. We appreciate yep. you. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye.